going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the World of Warp with me, Jean-Luc Welch. Before we do anything, cut the music. Don't go and cut the music. We don't got time for this mess. We just had one of the biggest bombshells in the NBA drop right here, right now. That's what's going on. All this, this is it. It's just applause. It's ominous music. It's bombs. We don't know what to expect. We can't tell anything. Everybody's up in arms because, my gosh, Whoa! That's all I can say. Whoa! The Cleveland Cavaliers, out of nowhere, just swooped in from the clutches, or ra rather than rather pride from the clutches. Donovan Mitchell out of the hands of the Knicks and onto their own roster. Donovan Mitchell is now a Cleveland Cavalier in the most unlikely of circumstances in a move that has shocked the entire NBA world. Let's just jump right into it right now. Before we jump into it, however, please leave a like on, and comment on the video, on your opinions on the, on the show, subscribe to the channel, and share with everybody you know, and do your research on the topics so you can be informed as well. Always fact check anything to make sure that you're always knowledgeable on everything but pop all that right now is the biggest turning one of the biggest turning points in the NBA offseason after Kevin Durant's fiasco of Willie won't he Kyrie Irving's fiasco of Willie won't he going back and forth everybody holding their breath for again two of the biggest names in free agency not move going anywhere now we see the ball turning and in the biggest ways the ball is turned or rather the wheel is turned and the ball has gotten rolling on legitimate big names getting signed and getting traded as, like I said at the top of the show, Mitchell is going to Cleveland in one of the most unlikely moves of the NBA offseason. The Jazz have successfully traded Donovan Mitchell off of the roster for Laurie Marketing, Ocher Agabi, Colin Sexton, and three unprotected first-round picks in an incredible in an incredible move my goodness when i tell you this blew me out the water it took me two days to react to this <laughs> it took me two days to sit and simmer because i couldn't believe what i was reading cleveland who had been again mind you on the not on the brink they were indelibly obsolete to the NBA. Nobody cared about them for a number of years. Had some quality talent, some quality talent, again, in the midst of a LeBron-less era, or rather another era of LeBron-less basketball in LeBron's latest leave from Cleveland. They were rather obsolete. Yes, they've had some good players from time to time, Jared Allen, again, Colin Sexton, again, Darius Garland. Well, they've been blotches, and just recently, they've turned into a team where, okay, you know what? They're pretty all right. They're pretty all I can sit back, and I can watch them play. They're not great. They have some, they have some pieces. Individual, I love to see them play. They may have something coming together, but, you know, it's Cleveland. If LeBron's not there, most likely you're going to suck. Or at least always falter beneath the expectations that I uh, warily place on them to succeed. And that's what's been the case for a number of years. A number of years. But now, oh, but now, seems like the rebuild is finally actually paying off. The circle is complete as the Cleveland Cavaliers now, for a starting five, have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen on top of Isaac Accord and Kevin Love coming off the bench as sixth man, or getting put in for whatever necessary needs there will be come uh, um, in the actual season when a lot of changes move up and all that stuff. Who knows what they're going to have? But that seems like the best starting five that I could see going uh, going for them. But lo and behold, it happened. After, after everything I thought was impossible, it's happened. Cleveland has successfully made a team that is actually built for success down the road. This is a team that can actually come to be something without only having LeBron as their saving grace. This is it. My good, in fact, congrats. Congrats. My goodness. 
I can't believe this is happening. Never thought I would say this about, never thought I'd say this about Cleveland in any way, shape, or form. But doggone it, y'all might actually be good this year. I am actually looking forward to watch Cleveland play basketball. Can you believe it? I can't. I'm pinching myself saying this. It's unheard of. It is unspeakable. It is, it is, it is, it's, 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 I can't even get my words out. It's how shocked I am. This is a team that legitimately is put together to be on the cusp of actually contending for a title within the next three years, if not by next year, after this season, when the team actually gets to jail. Lord willing, they don't move anybody. They don't do nothing stupid like we know Cleveland can do. But hey, you got Colin Sexton off the roster, which again, Kevin Love, I believe Kevin Love has had some uh, qualms with him and his shot selection. Even a good player, don't get it twisted. Good player, very active, very defensively driven, and he can get hot. But again, yeah, some of the uh, some of the times during the regular season last year, uh, we see why Kevin Love was walking around with his head down, because the brother was, uh, let's let shall we say sketchy, sketchy, a good sketchy but sketchy nonetheless. But now, now, oh, you can hold his head high. Where that number eight with pride or number zero, whatever n- number he is. Where that brown and yellow, gold and yellow, I don't know whatever colors they are, beige, mahogany. Wherever the colors are, wear that C with the short, with the sword, wear it with pride. Hold his head up high. Buy a Cavalier hat with the like they did back in the day on the logo with the, with the feather in it on the big old fedora. Buy that and wear it around before every pregame or before a game in the warmups. Because you're going to be proud to be a Cavalier now without LeBron. Oh, it's great. So let's see. So first off, with the big shock of a move, where does this put Cleveland right now in terms of the upper, the echelon, not upper echelon, let's hold our horses now. They ain't at the top of the top, but are they at least in the middle? And I can defend until they say they're in the middle. They're absolutely in the middle. This is a team that can actually be in contention to upset. And let's say they got an eighth round spot and they had to face a one seed. This is the team that you can look at and say, hey, they might have a shot at upsetting the one seed. You can actually do that. This is a team, but even better, if you're a Cleveland fan or just a fan of basketball in general and want competitiveness, this is a team that legitimately can be viewed at as a roster built to potentially get to a six or even a five seed. Oh, my gosh. This is a team that can solidify itself as a bona fide Six or five seed potentially. Lord willing, they can if they get to four. Ooh, ooh, this is better than anything I expected. Cause let's see who they're not better. They're not better than the Bucks. No, still my favorites to come out the East to win or, or get back to the finals once Chris Middleton is back healthy. Not better than the Bucks. Not better than the Sixers. Not better than the Boston Celtics. And I don't think they're better than the Miami. There's a definitive four teams that they're not better than. Absolutely. However, after that, oh, that that that's a pretty, that's a pretty decent squad to say they can be a comfortable six seed and a legitimate chance at being a five seed. That can legitimately happen. Because now they have Darius Garland, all-star nod last year, legitimate you know, up-and-coming player in the making. Great three-point shooter. I believe a great three-point shooter. A phenomenal leader. He has that dog in him. has that drive in him. Karis LeVert, who we know what he brings to the table. He's always been a great role player. Uh, he, can be, he can be a guy that can give you 20, 15 to 20 every night. Has a deep bag when it comes to offensive game. Is, 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 again, for his size, pretty athletic, pretty long. And if he can commit himself to the defensive end, you got yourself a, a pretty good doggone player on his best day. Evan Mobley, I believe, runner up for rookie of the year last year. 
incredibly long, incredibly, again, seven foot one, seven feet, seven foot one, seven plus wingspan, athletic, defensively so smart, so smart. He's so smart. He's so smart on the defensive end. For a player that he's that young, that he is that young to have this level of poise on the defensive end, and just all around in his game, it's incredible. It's impeccable. Oh, we love to see it. That player, Evan Mobley, is getting, oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. I wouldn't be surprised if he can get named to an all-star team in the, if down the road. At least I wouldn't be surprised if he can get to a second-team all-defensive nod next season. With as good of a defensive player as he is, and then you couple that with Jared Allen, who again got an all-star nod last year. The fro that protects the rim, one of the best shot blockers in the league, is coming into his own as a player. Every season we're seeing progression as he gets better and better and better. We'll see what he adds to his offensive game this year. But doggone it. All he needs to do is just keep playing like he's been playing on with Evan Mobley. And you got yourself get Twin Towers on the defensive end and lob threats. Oh, I forgot Evan Mobley can actually spread the floor a little bit. And then on top of that, with all of those characters in play, everybody playing their role, now you got Donovan Mitchell, multi-time All-Star. Blew up in the bubble with having a war against Jamal Murray. When they when he when the Jazz played against the Nuggets, can give you twenty five to thirty. Has again incredible offensive talent. Can dunk on you. Can spray you from thirty five. Can drive. Can facilitate when called upon. The defense was suspect last year. I can't deny that. Had 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 some had some had some holes to say the least. <laughs> had some holes, but outside of that. We know what he brings to the table when he's fully healthy and fully on. And now, oh, now he's with a roster that, mind you, last season we saw them up and coming as to, oh, this team's not getting some traction in terms of Cleveland. And and they got hurt. Injuries. The injury bug just got, got gutted nearly the entire roster. One after another, it was just like, ah, let me see this team healthy. Let me see this team actually be able to reach the potential that I know it can. And now, all the fruits, the fruits of their labor and development, which I thought I'd never say about Cleveland. The development process of Cleveland has led them to a legitimate foundational structure to where they can, in future years, in as little as a year, Turn their thing, turn their whole roster around from just a potentially quality squad who was for a number of years bummy to now a team that legitimately can poise themselves to be in contention for a title in about a, a, two years. In two years, they have the potential to be better than Miami. They can reach with this roster. With this roster, with development, they can reach the four seed. Don't get it twisted. They can usurp Miami as one of the four big dogs to come out the East for a title. That can absolutely happen with the way this roster is constructed at the moment. All they need is a little more depth in bench, and they're good to go. They already got the veteran Kevin Love. They already have the young, up-and-coming prospect in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. They got the solidified defensive monsters in, again, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Karis LeVert, proven score. Donovan Mitchell, proven score. Best score on the team right now. One of the best in the NBA. They got, they, they have everything. The only thing we're, we're worried, the only thing I would be even worried about is perimeter defense. And they may able to be able to get away with that. Because of the fact that they got the twin towers of defense down low in Mobley and, Gar- and, and, and Jarrett. 
Darius Garland, six foot one. Donovan Mitchell, six foot one. The brother plays bigger than six foot one in Mitchell. I didn't. I thought he was six three. This cat's actually six one. Now again, I said that Mitchell was suspect last season on the Jazz. Let me rephrase it. He was abysmal last season on the Jazz when it came to defense. Oh, it was horrible. It's hard to watch. It's so hard to watch. Oh, we, my gosh, it's mm, yeah, just stuck up the place when it came to actually playing good quality defense and not letting your man just walk by you like they're on Dancing with the Stars. Not letting them take, excuse me. And then you say, oh, go right ahead. No, that was, it was horrible. However, now with a new invigorated sense of, okay, um, out of Utah, and I'm out of, granted, a team that was winning in terms of regular season wins, but not winning anything in terms of, you know, championships or finals appearances. In some cases, not even Western Conference finals appearances. Now he's in a new area. Uh, granted, it's Cleveland. I mean, heh, you ain't getting no stars in Cleveland, but this is why you, again, more credit to them. They actually developed what they had into something special. But he's in Cleveland with a whole new gaggle of friends, confidants, cohorts, conspirators, whatever you want to call his teammates. And they're all young, they're all driven, and they all have legitimately a role that they can play, that they have fully bought into. They know what they bring to the table, and they play with confidence with what they bring to the table. Not many teams have that type of roster built around them. Now, Donovan Mitchell has a young, hungry, driven, offensively talented Darius Garland. A veteran, still young, but again, a veteran, and Karis LeVert, who can potentially be his number two or number three scoring option. He's going to be either two or three. One's going to be Donovan. Karis might be the second one because of, again, his height and the depth of his bag. But if he's two or three, it doesn't matter. You have a three-headed legitimate scoring option on your team. And Garland, Mitchell, and Levert. Couple that with Evan Mobley who can spread the floor and hit a three from time to time. Isn't just incompetent when it comes to being inside of the post. Still has some ways to go in terms of what I would like for him to do. But he's not just stupid. And it's Jared Allen who's a lob threat. Or if you want to run one, if you want to run Evan Mobley off the bench and have Kevin Love as your other offensive scoring option at the four, it's not bad either. It's not bad either. A good three point shooter who has a good post game. Yes, he's older. But he can't spread the floor. If you want a, if you want to stretch for to give Dowdy Mitchell maximum amount of room to work and be the offensive juggernaut that he is. Either way, it works. It just works. It just works. They could they this team could even run a roster with Garland Mitchell Levert, Mobley at the five, and Love at the four. Now everybody on the team can score in some way or capacity. It is a dream come true. And then Isaac Okoro, Isaac Okoro, I believe I'm saying his name right, if I'm wrong, let's say Darius Garland is getting beat on defense, or Donovan Mitchell, or Karis LeVert. Boom, you plug, it, plug him in off the bench into the starting role. Now you can have a lineup of Garland, Mitchell, and Okoro, and, and Okoro, Excuse me. Okoro acts as the kind of defensive guy. And then you can have a bench of Kevin Love and Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert and Evan Mobley. Or Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Off the bench, any of those combinations work. Some are better, some are worse. But the point is, this is a team that is malleable. You can do multiple things with this squad and it comes out to be effective. You can do multiple things with the squad and they and it actively can put a lot of teams on the back burner. 
they can adapt and change with the lineups that they want to run. And it worked flawlessly. This is a team that is legitimately poised for future years. With Donovan Mitchell going into, or rather, in his prime. With Darius Garland being coming into his prime. With Karis LeVert in his prime. With Evan Mobley, still an upcoming player. With Jared Allen. Right now, you can argue he's in his prime. Kevin Love not in his prime, but still quality. It's, it's a great situation for Mitchell. And this puts the whole league on notice. And you better get what's yours now. Because we are coming out of the East. You better get your ducks in a row. Because the second we hit our stride in a year or two, it's going to be... It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly for a lot of rosters. Don't let them get depth, like I said earlier. Don't let them get depth. Don't let them get some legitimate pieces to bring into that squad. Let's say they make a trade. Ooh-wee. Now you're looking at a, a team that potentially has not only a great starting five, but a bunch of different pieces and role players coming off the bench that further elevate their ability to con- further elevate their ability, excuse me, to contend with the best of the best. This team is a this team is a sleeper team. This team is poised for success. Now granted, understand where they can go in the immediate. In the immediate, this is a team that can go probably second round. Again, five or six seed. This year, come out through East, have a phenomenal season, five or six seed, probably get knocked out in the second round. Most likely, it's going to be due to inexperience of not just the players in youth, but players in terms of playoff experience. And they don't have, they wouldn't have had as much time to gel as these other aspiring championship teams. But it's not bad. It's not bad. If you can show, my barometer for this team right now in terms of success, if you can show that you can get out the first round, handle your business, and then in the second round, even if you lose, like let's say they lose 4-1 in a series, in the second round, but every game is pretty close. I'll be able to hang my head on, okay, yeah, this team's probably going to be a legitimate finals contender come next year. I'll be, I'll be confidently able to say that. I will confidently be able to look at that team, look at Cleveland, and say, you know what? You are legitimately for real. You're actually for real. Because even though you lost 4-1, you were able not only just to get a, a win in the series, but at the same time, every game that you lost was close. That's all I'm looking for. Granted, that's the benchmark I have for Cleveland because of, again, the ineptitude for so long, for so long, the ineptitude of this franchise. So it's low. Granted, a full notice, it's low. For the aspirations of what I think this organization is going to be able to do. Not because I don't think the players are bad, but because of the fact that the organization, every time I look to my left or look to my right, has not been the best in many circumstances where they should have been further off. That's just, again, that's what I'm saying. The bar is very low. But even with the bar being low, you can still make some legitimate noise to me. If when you lose in the second round, because that's about as far as I think you're going to be able to go this season. If you're just able to keep it close for every game, that's it. If you're able to keep it close in every game when you lose in the second round, if you lose in the second round, let me not be definitive, because they might actually, they could, they could win. They could win. They could. Highly unlikely, but, it, but they could. But if they did win, not excuse me, not if they did win. If they did win, excuse me, then hey, all bets are off. Yeah, this team is a 
finals contender today. If they're able to get out the, the if they're able to get out the second round this year, I'll say next year. Everybody better be on notice. I'll say next year if you aren't Milwaukee or Celtics, if you're not Milwaukee or Boston, you better run from this team. I'll say that. I'll say that if they get out the second round this year. But most likely they won't. So if they do not, but they lose in close series, making it so that it's tight, making it so that it's, it's, it's we see Donovan Mitchell further gelling with Darius Garland and Levert. We see Jared Allen and Evan Mobley having synergy in the low block on the defensive end, being able to communicate, both taking, you know, one being, I guess, the communicator. Because somebody's going to have to be the dominant anchor for this team. Somebody's going to have to be. Unless, they wanna be. unless they're able to coexist, share the load, and just communicate expertly with each other. Teaching having two literal twin towers of air traffic control that tells everybody else on the court where to move. That would be scary. But them two being able to effectively protect the paint and coexist on the offensive end, one not overlapping the other's abilities, it's going to be great. It's going to be phenomenal. You're seeing a team that potentially has aspirations in the near future for a serious push at a championship. And we're going to be able to see Donovan Mitchell, I think, play some of his best basketball. I really do. I really think we're going to be able to see Donovan Mitchell further elevate his ability. I thought what we saw at the bubble was going to was it. When him and Jamal were going head to head, tit for tat, bucket for bucket, when that was going on, I think we're going to see a heightened level of production from Donovan Mitchell this season. Not just on the offensive end, not just on the offensive end, excuse me, but in his all-around game because of the fact that his he won't have to have this the full load like he did in Utah. One of the reasons why you could argue his defense was so bad because he focused everything on the offensive end. Because he had, again, Rudy Gobert as one of the main options on the team. And while Gobert is a stout defensive player, offensively, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh No, 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 no. Not today, in the words of Demi McCon- in, in the words of Dikembe Mutombo. Not today. Not ever, most likely, when it comes to Rudy Gobert. So he really had to exert all his energy on the offensive end just to stay. Just to keep his team in contention. That was with Mike Conley. That was with, I, I, I believe, Bogdan, Bogdan, one of those two, whoever was there. I was with Joe Ingles. Who I believe is not on the roster anymore. Point still stands. Donovan Mitchell is going to be able to not have to exert himself fully on the offensive end. Which is going to allow for him, hopefully, to legitimately have a go back to his college days. Or at least early in his NBA career. When he was a legitimate defender that could pick up Either your second best player or your best player. And actually do a good job of staying in front of him. That's what he used to be. On top of being a great scorer. Now I think he's going to be able to, to, to come back and do that. Because again, you got Darius Garland beside him. That can take a brunt of the offensive load. He's got Karis LeVert. Who we know once he gets going can give you 20 on a given night. And it's again deep in his bag. Karis LeVert might be the the Jordan Poole of this roster in terms of just feeding the ball in the isolation and letting him do what he does best. Work. He can fit that role. Kevin Love can potentially have a a great veteran season. And he was already in six-man contention. And the brother legitimately can still ball. Can still put the ball in the bucket when asked to. 
And he's a great rebounder. And he's a great passer. He's a, and he can be a great voice in the locker room. This team has it all. This team has it all. This team has it all. This team can be legitimately scary for the entire Eastern Conference in terms of getting into a playoff spot. Oh, I can't wait for this. I can't wait for this. I wish this movie had happened sooner instead of later. But again, that was probably because Kevin Durant, everybody holding their beans up until they see up. Sir, can I spare you XYZ for Kevin Durant? Again, I wish I, I, I wish I had never said he could go somewhere. Because once I saw what the Nets were asking for, even though I knew, even though teams had the capacity like the Celtics, it, it, it was just too much. It was just too much. They asked for the house in, in exchange for a car. A car goes great with a garage and a house, but if you just have, if you sell the house, you sell the garage too, so you ain't got nowhere to put the car. That's what you. That's what. That's what was going on with Kevin Durant. If you sold the house to get the car, you sell the garage too, which is what you need to store the car. Hence, you have nothing for the car except for the car. People were asking for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You asked for Devin Booker. Nets were asking for everybody under the sun in terms of these negotiations with other teams. And it was just, if we give up everything to try to get this one person, he'll have nothing to play to play with come the time the season starts. He'll have nothing to actually play with, no teammates at all, if we actually picked him up. There's no point in getting him. It will literally be just having Kevin Durant to put butts in seats and nothing else. Because there would be nothing else for them for to actually make a run. Because there wouldn't be anybody else on the roster that can actually do anything. I hate that it's, that this took so long. My goodness. But it, it, it happened. And I'm just glad it happened. Added for some nuance and helped give this dry season of NBA news some life. And on top of life, let's talk about the Jazz for a second. They just traded away Rudy Gobert and... Donovan Mitchell. You would think that they would have nobody, right? And they don't have anybody. Granted, this roster sucks. Their roster sucks. They're going to suck next season. I'm sorry. They just are. Actually, I'm not sorry. Because they wanted to do this. They wanted to suck. Because now this team has 13 draft picks to their name that they can use. And they may get some more before the offseason's over when they're just liquidating everything. Because they're going for a rebuild mode. They're trading everybody away. Ain't nobody safe when it comes to what the Jazz are doing. I don't care who you are. Everybody got to go. That's what they're doing. They want full, unadulterated rebuild mode. That's what they're looking for. And because of that, they can potentially get to, what, 16 picks by the end of the year? It, it it they they are trying to do what the Thunder have done, which is set themselves up for some legitimate success, and 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 put themselves so that in the future they can have a bunch of leverage to say if we want this big star coupled with the team that we're trying to build, now we got the equity to actually make that happen. We have the equity to actually make. That happened so that they'll be able to actually be a threat and build something in the near future. This is what you have to understand about the Jazz. They're playing for the long game. But in the short term, they're going to be obsolete. This is a team that went from being, again, winning the West a couple times, having one of the best records in the NBA a couple times but always faltering. But faltering aside, they had, they had the best record in the NBA. All the superlatives, all the superlatives, excuse me, that I just said, 
to now a, a bottom of the tier of the league team. They're most likely going to, you know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? This is actually perfect. This is, this is actually perfect. This is actually perfect. Because this leads directly into the next team that has actually made some moves in the offseason. The Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh. Ugh. Every time I say the name, I just shudder. And ugh. I just shivers down my spine. Because the team is so awful. That every time we talk about them, it's just... What are you going to do? It's, it's terrible. They got the colors of Hulk Hogan in terms of bright yellow. Not necessarily the purple, but the bright yellow. With, the, with none of the success. Or right outside of a championship. None of the success. It's, it's, ooh, yeah. Ugh. I got a, in fact, hold on. I got a, I got a, I, mm, uh. ah. Got my, Got my, my my tasty my tasty lemon lime sprite, which a sprite. If you want to sponsor this episode, I would love for it. If you send an email my way, contacted me, so that we could work something out. <laughs> but but can I tell you? I'm telling you, sprite. I love it. I, like I've always said. Oh, hold on. Let me t- point it to the point it to the. Hey, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. I'm not sponsored by him, but you know what? If they want to give this video uh, a slide, I'll be more than happy to, to 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 plug them in this show every time I do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll be love to sponsor Sprite, the official drink for Black folk, the official soda for Black America. I'm more than happy to do that. I'm telling you, I've never seen. I, every time, it's always, whenever I go to a black person's house, I'm going out to eat with black people. It don't matter. It's always the same thing. Let me get a Sprite. It don't matter. It's, it is the drink of black America. I'm, I'm in it. I love it. I'm part of that. I will gladly be the advocate for it. So please, Sprite, slide into me. Slide, get, get in my DMs. Get in my email. Whatever you got to do to make this happen. So we can make this partnership a, 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 a beautiful partnership. A, a beautiful marriage of sport and sprite. Oh, drink together. Oh, doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> but, but, shameless, shameless plugs aside, with uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and their predominant sprite cranberry uh, advocate LeBron James <laughs> on the team, they have made moves for Patrick Beverly. They have received Patrick Beverly. And essentially, who was on the Jazz? Mind you, again, like I said, the Jazz were liquidating everybody, and the the Jazz received Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson, and the Lakers get Patrick Beverly. Now, with this move being said, the Lakers could potentially—well, I don't know if it's going to happen—but we could see the Lakers get even more liquidation than just Patrick Beverly from. The Utah Jazz, because again, the Jazz is trying to clean house. Is it likely? Probably not. Because who do who do the Lakers have? Not many people. Not many people. And who they would want for Russell Westbrook, even though nobody wants Russell Westbrook, who they would want for Russell Westbrook is is far and away not what they're gonna get. I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook is a terrible player. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Let me not get disrespectful. He's a bad player. Not terrible. He's a bad player. Based on his last season's production. He's a bad player. He just is. Terrible decision making. Awful shot selection. More turnovers than assists. Or rather, more turnovers per assist. Than I would like to see from a point guard who passes like he passes. And has the ball in his hand as much as he has the ball in his hand. It's a terrible thing that you see a talent like his seemingly go to waste. All because the brother just does not want to adapt his game. Even though it's what's called for. Irks me. Gets me frustrated. Ugh. Every time I think about it, it just wretches my basketball soul. Mm, nah, can't stand it. But again, they can't. They probably won't be able to get any other pieces from the Jazz. Because they for what they would want to get versus what they would actually get for Russell Westbrook isn't that great from the team. That's it's not going to win them. They're looking to win now. Hopefully. Reports have said that they are actually willing, if crunch time comes down to it, to actually give up those first-round picks 
and it, with Russell Westbrook. That's the only way people are going to actually take Russell Westbrook off that roster is if they get some picks with it. If they give up their future and Russell Westbrook, that's the only way they're going to actually get some legitimate um, uh, reparations for giving up Russell Westbrook. That's the only way is giving up picks. And they may lean towards actually doing it, even though they've been reluctant this entire time. Now, they, they shouldn't have been reluctant with a lot of things during this offseason. Like with Taylor Horton Tucker, brothers, they, he should have been on the market last season talking about something. He's a, he's a piece they need to keep because he's a player that we're going to build around. Bump all that. That brother is, is not what they thought he was going to be. I saw that coming from a mile away. You kidding me? I said the same thing with Kuzma when he was playing for the Lakers. Yes, he's having a great season now with, with Washington. But before that, oh, my gosh. People talking about he's going to be the next whatever, whatever, whatever. He was going to be the next bum. And he was a bum when he was playing in, in Los Angeles. And I said, trade this by the way. Let him be good somewhere else. Because this buddy ain't doing nothing here. And people still want him. You doggone right, you trade him away. Same thing that should have happened with Taylor Horton Tucker last year. Should have traded his by the way to get some legitimate pieces. Like Buddy Hill. But No. Oh, he's untouchable. Now they see that he ain't nothing like they thought he was going to be. Up now, yet let's go on and try to get him off. And the best you could get for him was Patrick Beverly. The best you could get for a player that you thought was going to be a cornerstone on your team was Patrick Beverly. The man that has had beef with the very player that you have right now that you can't move in Russell Westbrook. And a player that, again, has called Chris Paul a cone when he himself has been a cone for many of the top stars on the defensive end. Oh, man, it's, it's up. Now, granted, let me, let me backtrack, and let's say this as a precautionary tale. Not a precautionary tale. Just as a caution for my take on this whole situation. Yes, Patrick Beverly is a good defender. Even though he's, his defense is being annoying, that's still quality defense if you're able to frustrate the opposing player and get them out of their game. Yes, that dog mentality while it's hated by everybody in the league is what you need on, any, on every team in the NBA because that's what's going to allow you to be able to make key defensive stops and move, essentially move the needle when necessary and have the ability to actively put yourself in a position to where you will be able to definitively take control and move momentum all because of his annoying attitude. That's what he can do. I hate it. But that's what he can do. That's exactly what the brother can do. Yeah, that's what he gets paid to do. Be annoying, be aggressive, and shoot threes. That's it. Now, can they coexist together? That's a whole other story because, like I said before, the previous beef with Russell Westbrook throughout the number of years that both of them been in the league. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they can play together. And the reason why is not because Patrick Beverly's annoying, even though that can turn teammates off. He's a teammate that you love to have if you're on the team. I don't think the quote-unquote annoying factor is going to be what potentially makes this pickup either borderline good or incredibly bad. But this could be a situation where because Patrick Beverly wants to just tell it like it is, that means he's going to tell Russell Westbrook that he's a bum and exactly why he's a bum. And if he doesn't change this, he's going to stay a bum. Ain't going to be none of this pandering of just letting him play like he needs to play or like he wants to play. No, 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 no. That's not what Patrick Beverly is about. Say what you want. He may not be the out-and-out leader of a team, but the buzz is going to speak his mind. And at minimum, people are going to be annoyed to the point that they're going to falter to what he says so that he'll be able to essentially get off their back. That, that's what he does. Jimmy Butler's is better. Now, Jimmy Butler's better at it, but Patrick, but Patrick Beverly does similar things. In the locker room. So now we get to see if Russell Westbrook is going to actually not, not only have thick skin in terms of not letting comics get to him, not letting criticism get to him, but have better than thick skin. Have adaptable skin. 
take what actually Patrick Beverly says and apply it to his game. If he doesn't do that and just keeps up that stone wall, Patrick Webley is going to be even more loud and rambunctious going at Russell Westbrook. And now you're going to get a situation where now you got locker room heat. Now you're going to get punches thrown at each other. You're going to get fight night every night in the locker room of the Los Angeles Lakers. They might as well put a television and Joe Tessitore as a commentator sitting in the locker room and sitting at practice every single day because there's going to be a fight every single time and you want to get the best coverage. ESPN should have a camera and a designated time slot on their program Grammy to have a streamed fight every night of Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly going at it and throwing blows at each other because that's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen because that's what Patrick Beverly does. He gets under his own teammate's skin with the goal of making them better, but he still gets under their skin. Can Russell Westbrook take that? Because he sure enough can't take what the media brings at him, saying that he's terrible, even though he's terrible. This last season, he was horrible. Talking about someone, don't, don't stay Westbrook. Brother, you are a brick. And you're a brick mentally if you think that you're just going to be able to keep playing like you're playing, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Nah, you got the mind of a brick. And we know you're smarter than that. The world is wrong with you. Talking about somebody just disrespecting to my family. They know it ain't. We, we again, pandemic P. We called we called uh, Paul George all bubble long. You know why? Because he deserved it. Pandemic P is one of the worst players I've ever seen. One of the worst players I've ever seen offensively. One of the worst volume shooters I've ever seen. Even worse than J.R. Smith. Never had my qualms about J.R. Smith for a long time. He deserved to be called Pandemic B because his play was sickly in the worst kind of way. His play was horrendous. In the worst kind of way, his play was horrendous. Utterly despicable. Absolutely horrible. Terrible. Utterly terrible. And... He got called out for it. What happened? Comes back, plays better. Everybody says, ah, ha, ha. You remember Pandemic P? I remember Pandemic P. You remember Pandemic P, Jean-Luc? Show sure enough, I remember Pandemic P. Oh, that was a bad brother in the worst kind of way. But this is a bad brother in the best kind of way. In the best kind of way. Oh, yeah. Let's go Paul George. Everybody's rooting for him. Ain't no doggone consistency of Pandemic P. Westbrook sticks because Westbrook is the reality of what you are. Which is the brother who is a volume shooter, averaged 18 a game on horrible efficiency, was absolutely terrible in half-court setting, can't finish at the rim like you used to be able to do, and even that was just good, wasn't great. You got away with it because of your athleticism, which is leaving you. Sir, it's leaving you if you haven't gotten the memo. Your body is saying, brother, you better change. I can't jump like this forever. Slowly but surely, you're getting lower and lower every time you go for a dunk. Next thing you know, you're going to be fully extended like Damian Lillard. And you're supposed to be even, you're supposed to be a better jumper than Dang. Damian's a good jumper. That brother is, every time he goes for the dunk, it's the same dunk. And it's the same full extension. I keep thinking he's going to miss from time to time. But no, he goes in. Westbrook, that's you. Only problem is your butt missing. Your butt is missing and you're giving it all you got. You don't cheat the game. But your body's saying, I'm cheating you. You better change with me. Or else you're going to be changing for a job. This forty, this forty-two, whatever might be the last big contract your butt get if you don't show up this year. You could be looking at veteran minimums for the rest of your career. Ain't nobody paying your butt no forty-something million. You are gonna get the veteran minimum, one for five. That's what you are gonna get. You are gonna get the opposite of a big bag from McDonald's. One item, five dollars. That's a steal in the NBA world. One year for Westbrook for five bucks? I'll take it. For five million, excuse me? 
Might as well be $5. I'll take it. Absolutely, I'll take it. I'll take it every day and Sunday. Oh, yes, sir. That's what that's what you're getting into. But this is where the rubber hits the road in the crossroads of Russell Westbrook's career. He's got to get to a point where he takes the criticism that Patrick Beverly brings and he actively applies it to his actual play. That's all he's got to do. Patrick Beverly's going to come in the gym loud and proud and say that you suck. Because you do. Because you have. This ain't no disrespect. This is the truth. We know what you, your legacy is what it is. I'm not talking about your legacy. I'm talking about right now. Right now, you are a bum. You are a bum. You can play your way out of a paper bag. You just couldn't. But now you're on a team that still has aspirations for a championship, still has one of the best players in the league in AD, still has a bona fide top five player in the league in LeBron James, both coming back healthy, both fully recovered, both had had a full offseason, no playoffs to potentially re-injure them, none of that wear and tear. And you got, again, not great pieces, but some decent pieces. Love Lonnie Walker Jr. We've covered all the pieces that you've had, that, that they've gained. Excuse me. In the last, in another episode, Juan Toscano Anderson, Lonnie Walker Jr., players of the like, they've, it's, it's, it's not bad, the moves that they make. It's not. It's not. But at the same time, all you got to be able to maximize this opportunity. The one thing that you lacked last season was youth. And you were part of that because your butt is getting old. But now you got, again, young players coming into the fray. Which can expeditiously help your track to getting back to a title contention. But it's all on, well, not all on. It's a big part on Russell Westbrook to make sure that he gets in his head. I'm not who I used to be. I got to live my new reality. That reality is being a pass first, not on ball dominant. In fact, potentially off ball dominant. Or at least an off-ball adept offensive player that will actively cut, move, and get myself open. Doesn't need the ball in my hand to affect the game. And on the defensive end, finally show up, pull up your shorts, tie up your shoes, squint in your eyes, get angry, and actually not be a cone on the defensive end. Because if Patrick Beverly said Chris Paul's a cone, brother, you are an expressway. That's what Russell Westbrook is. If Patrick Beverly said, and he's wrong, but if Patrick Beverly said that Chris Paul was a cone for defenders, then that means that Russell Westbrook is I-85. That man is, everybody's going Wide open. You're supposed to only go 65, if not 70. But they're going 80, 90. And the cops are asleep on the side of the road. Dang, the, the hidden security ain't even there. When it comes to Russell Westbrook. You are a highway. You are an interstate with eight lanes. You don't even got a toll booth. People just breezing through. That's what Russell Westbrook is on the defensive end. If he could just go from a five-lane interstate to a even a two-lane interstate, I'll be happy. And they may actually be able to, to, to make some noise. You're looking at a team that, against all odds, might actually be a threat at championship contention. It's going to take a lot. But at minimum, it's going to take those two things. And if that actually happens, mind you, mind you, Lakers could have had a roster with Buddy Hill and Miles Turner if they'd given up Taylor Horton Tucker and Russ, along with two first-round picks. Now, granted, I understand why that move didn't go through because of 
the two first round picks. Lakers want to have a future and all that jazz. But it's stupid because your future is going to be bummy even if you have picks. Because without LeBron, you're nothing. I'm sorry. You're nothing. You're actively nothing. Anthony Davis is getting is, is losing his traction day by day. All because of his injury prone ability. That, that's a given. That's understood. That's more than understood. That's the reality. Teams don't want to pay for a player who can be great but can't stay healthy. You know, that's, yeah, nah, uh-uh. Now you just you just paying for nothing. You paying for a broken cup. Can't enjoy your drink before it all drips out the bottom. That's what teams looking at Anthony Davis now. Yeah, it's a, it's a good cup. But how many times is it gonna is it gonna keep on cracking and leaking? Eventually, people gonna notice the gorilla glue that's being used to keep that brother together, and they ain't gonna want to drink out of that. That's what's going on with Los Angeles. Y'all don't have a future. You don't. Lakers don't have a future to look forward to. Their future is right now. Their future is a championship right now. And this is Los Angeles. Stop going. Everybody wants to play for Los Angeles. This is Los Angeles. Your future is your own name. So bump trying to build for the future. Because that's just going to lead to more mediocrity. You need to win now. And to win now, you should have made the moves necessary. You should have been more willing to give up the picks that would have gotten you better players. That would have given you more room to actually be a franchise looking for a title. Now your, your arm is wrenched. You've had to meet with LeBron a couple times. And now you're saying, up. Oh, if it comes down to it, well, I guess we'll give up our picks. I guess we'll fold, even though that's what you should have done in the first place. To actually give yourself a shot at winning a championship. Because you're only as good as LeBron is around in the immediate. That's it. The Biggest event of the year next year should not be LeBron breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. That should not be the the biggest event for the Los Angeles Lakers. No. The biggest event for the Los Angeles Lakers should be that we're getting back in line for a title. With the second and very close accomplishment being LeBron James breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. That's what it should be. You stingy jokers. Held out for the sake of holding out. Uh-uh, uh-uh, Pity and a shame. I can't believe it. Your butt messed yourself up. Now you're in a situation where you could have had Buddy Hill, you could have had Miles Turner... At this point, I'd be more, I'd be okay with doing that. Because, let's face it, y'all ain't got nothing better. I get why y'all didn't take the trade, but what what else do you have to lose? What else do you have to lose? It's, it's, it's a lot, yes, but y'all, 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 y'all ain't there for it. That's the thing. Y'all are not, y- there's no reason to build for the future when your immediate is LeBron. And you want championships now. It, it doesn't work. It's not how it should work. He is getting old, and you don't want to do what Cleveland did, which is wasted years of somebody that can give you, that can bring you potentially a championship every year that he's healthy. And he's still in his prime right now. I'm telling you. Patrick Beverly is going to run a rough shot in that locker room. Causing havoc left, right, and center. It's going to be Russell Westbrook's worst nightmare. But if Russell Westbrook can take it and be better for it, hey, hey, hey. That's what I'm talking about. Now you're looking at a, a, a team that may actually change their ways. 
and make some noise. But if not, well, mm-mm-mm. good luck to you. At least I can look at LeBron being the best scorer in NBA history. Or, excuse me, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. It's solidifying himself as one of the best scorers in NBA history. And having an argument for potentially being the best scorer that the NBA has ever seen. At least I got that to look forward to. <laughs> At least I got that when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers. But this has been another episode of the Watch Report. I've been your old Jean-Luc Watch. I'm so happy to be on you all's screens, in your car, wherever you play the show. Please leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Come on. We had 800 viewers on our last video. What the world? Let's make it a thousand. Let's make it two thousand. Let's make it a hundred thousand. Share this with everybody that you know. Leave a comment on your thoughts and opinions. Let's get busy in the comment section. And like the video and share with everybody that you know. Put on notifications so you can always be ready for whenever I post on this channel. So you can have the latest and greatest for the next episodes. But this has been the Watch Report. I've been John Luke You've been beautiful. Everybody, peace out. And we'll see you next time. Peace out, y'all.